Hello, welcome to Strange Love of Movies. My name is Olivia Martinez, and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Oscar and Emily Martinez. And today it is episode 18, and the conclusion of our Coen Brothers series. This is so exciting. We're talking about The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which is on Netflix and was a Netflix premiere. It was the Coen Brothers' first Netflix premiere, and it is a special movie. It's full of a few short stories, and Mom, I know you're not normally keen on short stories, but I remember you really liking this the first time we saw it. And did you like it again the second time? I did. And I didn't remember just how... Dark. Yeah, how dark. (laughs) I mean, and basically just really um, kind of a downer, except for the very first um, story. The Coen brothers really used the opportunity to tell us several good stories and still tie them together in a clever way. Yes, the, the word bleak comes to mind because it really is. It's set in the Old West, and it's, it's a series of stories, six different stories, all with a Western theme. They just go downhill from the first one. I mean, they're just, there's a lot of, as you can imagine, there's a lot of death. There's a lot of tragedy. It's, it's fairly tragic, right? Pretty dark. But, but within that, it's shot so well. The colors are so nice. The setting is in the West, Beautiful. and it really is evocative. And I don't think they usually focus too much on on where it's set. And I think how we should do this is probably go story to story because they are so different. There are no recurring characters. And we will talk about a connection between the first story and last story at the very end. But for now, let's start with story number one, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which I think we can all agree is our favorite of the five. Is it five? Six. Six. Of it's Oh, it's so good. Tim Blake Nelson, who is one of our favorites. He is such a great performer in A Brother Where Art Thou? And one of the Cones' favorites, Yeah, too. he clearly is, because he's so reliable, and he has the voice of an angel. He's great in this. It's kind of a musical at points. It's one of the most gruesome things you'll ever see at points, and it's just so comical. Do y'all have any other points about it? Well, yes, it, it's, a, it's a play on so many things. It starts with a cowboy riding his horse Mm -hmm. and he's singing he's got a guitar and it's so over the top he's got this beautiful voice he's singing cool water uh, a famous song uh old old cowboy song made famous by marty robbins and burl ives also had a a version of it and it's about a guy traveling in the desert with his trusty and in the the song it was a donkey but in this case it's a horse and then and then you think oh this is going to be a light-hearted you know film about a cowboy singing cowboy this guy's a killer, and he was really bad. He was vicious. not. A, he was not a good guy. He was and he a has that, always has a big smile on his face, <laughs> and yeah, real cheerful. But yeah, when you look on the inside, you're like, wait, this guy is a socio psychopath, probably. He's wearing all white, so he looks angelic the right, whole time. Right, and that's even you know he even tells he looks right at the camera. Right, talk about breaking the wall. So good immediately, and he's got his wanted poster, and he says, "Well, I have been known to violate the laws of man," or whatever. You know, he speaks with a very in a very formal way, and. And, uh, and it's funny. And all the scenes you've seen from all the Westerns, you know, the guy playing the piano and you got to check your guns at the door and there's a card game and he's got aces and eights. I mean, there's so many cliches that are dr- thrown in there, but they all make sense within the context of the story. And the way that it just starts it out, because this is Buster Scruggs. That's the fun. He introduces himself as Buster Scruggs. And this is his ballad. And I don't want to spoil it until the end, so we won't talk about it yet. But there is a connection between this one and the last story. But you guys really, I mean, if you don't want to sit down for two and a half hours, I would really recommend watching the first one. It's 10, 15 minutes, and it's just so entertaining. We've gone back and watched it a few times just because... 
Again, it's so good. But next, let's talk about the second story, which is, I think, the shortest one. It is starring James Franco, and it's Near Algodones. And it is about a bank robber who is James Franco. And this one is dark. This is when you're like, oh, things are not going to be as lighthearted as I expected. Yeah, Algodones is a small town in New Mexico, and uh, it's got, there's nothing there except a bank. And of course, this guy's going to rob it, and if there's, that's where the money is, right? But things don't go as planned, and next thing Not you know, his head is in a noose, and he's on a horse, and he's about to get, uh, what do they call it, frontier justice, right? They're probably making the point that there are a lot of bad men in the Wild West, and even this bank robber, as bad as he is, um, he actually encounters some others who are even worse. Very fair. In my opinion, this is probably the weakest of the stories. It's certainly the shortest. Yeah, I just don't remember it that well. I mean, there's a reason I said there were five stories instead of six, because this is the one I was not even thinking of. I think James Franco gives it the most, I mean, that's what you probably will remember the most. I mean, it's not like his performance is that powerful or anything. He's just a big name. Yeah, fate intervenes, and then fate intervenes again, and... You know, it's interesting, too, the way... Well, I did like how it ended a ton, though. Yes, that was really well done. Yeah, it's, it's worth it for his, his final line in, in the film. Agree. Number three, this is certainly the darkest thing, maybe one of the darkest things I've ever seen on screen, Meal Ticket. This is starring Liam Neeson and Harry Melling. And, oh my goodness! I know, if you don't feel teary-eyed after watching this or maybe halfway through this then i you're stronger than i am buster scruggs would have watched this with a smile on his face probably yeah it was very (laughs) grim let's just say that there's uh when he's an impresario uh and and what this meant in the old west was driving a raggedy old wagon across mining towns and some tough territory it's snowing it's bleak and he would be the entertainment, or at least he managed the entertainment. And the entertainment is what we're talking about here is an orator, uh, somebody who would speak and speak enunciate very well. And people would pay money to hear him speak. Recite Shakespeare. Yes, recite Shakespeare, uh, passages from the Bible and and just really, really famous things. And and yeah, this is as bleak and grim. And Liam Neeson does an amazing job. This is right at the time. This is after it's taken and he became <laughs> the action star. He, his roots were in... I mean, the guy was on Schindler's List, right? I mean, the guy's an amazing actor. And he does so much without... He doesn't have many lines at all. all. He sings at one point when he's drunk, and that's about it. And even the um, filming of it looks bleak. Like, it is so blue and dark and not pretty where they are at all. Even if they are on beautiful landscapes, it just does not look pretty. It looks sandy and gross. And I think the Coen brothers were really trying to get at just how... No, the Old West was not all glamorous or fun at all. It was mostly bad, actually. And it really kind of shows how people take advantage of other people. Oh, my god! And especially in hard times. It also reminds you that in settings like this, sometimes the person who is kind of the bad actor, so to speak, is um, pretty desperate themselves. I mean, like you say, it's bleak because nobody in this has much of a chance at a decent life. And I wonder, I think what I said before your brilliant point was pretty philosophical or something. I don't know. Because I do think that the Coen brothers were trying to get to the unglamorous side of the Wild West. I mean, either that or they were just horribly depressed and wanted to put their depression into this movie. But because they're just, none of these stories are really that uplifting, except for the next one, which we will talk about, which is, you think it's going to be like even more devastating, but it's not. 
But it is called All Gold Canyon, and it stars Tom Waits and Tom Waits alone, basically. Pretty much, yeah. It's just Tom Waits, a famous singer and um, jazz rock avant-garde kind of guy with the crazy hair. And uh, he's a plays a crazy old, well, I shouldn't say crazy, but he's the, the, the old prospector. He's mining for gold. No, he sounds kind of crazy because he's talking to himself and yelling at the owls. owls and, you know, talking to the birds and doing whatever. Yeah, he's, he's obviously done this before. He's got a system and it eventually pays off for him. Yeah, and he is very methodical with how he does it. And, I mean, the short film itself is very methodical and patient. And I don't care that he was so slow because... Where they shot this was some of the most beautiful landscapes oh, that was so I've pretty. ever Where seen. Where was it? It, it was, was not Nebraska, outside right? Telluride. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it was. It was. Oh my gosh! It was just drool worthy, beautiful, and it was so nice to look at. And the sound design in that this one, for some reason, like the grass rustling, the water, it just made you feel like you were there. So normally, I'm not a huge fan of these slow and steady stories, but. I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed how it ended and Tom Waits' performance. Or dad said he wasn't actually acting, which is <laughs> yes, a good joke. pretty eccentric. But yeah, he was great in it. And I just, yeah, I really, really liked that one. So next was uh, the longest of them. Yes. And I am curious what y'all think about it. The gal who got rattled. I like President Pierce, which is the name of the yappy dog in it. That's about <laughs> it. It was so depressing. Yeah, it was. Um, and she was just annoying. Well, I guess I maybe I kind of liked it just because it did actually have a female, really, except for maybe this one and the next one both had women in it, both of the women being very annoying. <laughs> but, um, yeah, she it was kind of witty in a very dark way because... This young woman was traveling west with her brother, and although they were close, you could tell that she really was, but I mean, her brother really bugged her. Definitely. And um, anyway, bad things happen. She's on her own. Uh, more bad things happen. It is depressing, but it also... I, I they're on the Oregon Trail. They're too. on the Oregon Trail, yeah. And I think the thing about this story maybe makes it most clear what the theme was for the overall film. I agree. Which I I believe might be just the weak are destroyed by by strong. I mean, it's yeah. really a case of in a in a place like the West where civilization really hasn't come yet. The strong are always going to take advantage or destroy the the weaker person or the weaker group and it's not a not a pretty thing to think about but that's probably really how history played out not a pretty ending either but I think there is a budding romance between the two main characters in the movie and it's very well done because back then I mean both parties were so shy he didn't even know her first name for most of the short film like there were just little aspects of it that I'm sure were super realistic I think they did their homework on how love would have been back in the old West. But I do wonder if they needed to dedicate so much time to this story, you know? It just because on a bit. It dragged, and then the ending was so like, oh. Then I just was thinking, like, why was that worth it? Like, why did I sit through these people for that long? Well, and one thing we didn't mention is the, the premise of the film, or we have mentioned it's six different vignettes, different unrelated, or so we think, unrelated mm-hmm movies um but they 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 separate it by 
going to a book. Yes. You see the book and you see some of the descriptions. It's written in that old timey, old style approach of, you know, very, very formal language from the, I don't know, early 1900s. And sure enough, one of them, All Gold Canyon, which you just mentioned, was it was a Jack London short story? Oh, so some of them were sense. not the all of them were. Um, you know, apparently some of the stories they had heard in all their movie making and all that. You can imagine the characters that are on a movie set, but that one specifically was the only one written by a, a famous person, and so it was based on that. So, so it had some some pedigree to it, you know. But I, I like that device that they use because you're thinking, how can they stitch these together? Well, that's what stitched to get to, to stitch it together. It was a book and this was one of the chapters right each of them was a chapter right? yes it ties it together yeah definitely and I always whenever the chapter whenever the page would kind of turn I would be trying to read the last paragraph because I wanted to see if it was like actual the actual story and of course it was they weren't just going to put random words on the screen that'd be embarrassing so the final story is the most dialogue heavy for sure it's the least good looking story definitely because they're in a singular stagecoach the entire time. And it is called The Mortal Remains, which I kind of wish I knew. Or, I mean, I think they say the names of each story before they come, but I didn't pay enough attention to it because within like 10 minutes of this story ending, I was like, oh, that's what's going on. And then this short film, really the only big name in it is Brendan Gleeson, who kind of does the least in it, but he does a great job being a listener, I guess. <laughs> and who is the woman? Tyne Daly, the great Tyne Daly. Daly. She's oh, she's a big well deal too, yes. TV, yeah. And basically, the story of this final vignette, or whatever you'd like to call it, follows five people in a stagecoach who are all kind of not connected with one another, except Brendan Gleeson and his partner are the two, what are they? Just They're bouncy hunters, yes. essentially, and they're violent. So those two know each other already. But they come across as very sophisticated. Yes, they're very sophisticated. And then across from them is a fur trapper, a woman who is very just in her faith and thinks she's the best of all time. And then... A Frenchman. A Frenchman. And it's ridiculous, but it's, I mean, it could have been a play, honestly. They could have kept going forever. The banter was insane. And at one point, Brendan Gleeson sings a song. It was called The Unfortunate Lad, an old Irish song. But if you hear the tune, if it sounds familiar, it's because it's the Streets of Laredo. It's the same song. Mm. And then this is the last one, the very first one, the Buster Scruggs. He's singing a Marty Robbins song too, that cool water. And, and Marty Robbins did a famous version of, of Streets of Laredo. So it was kind of interesting. It kind of sets the tone for there's something else going on here. This isn't just a stagecoach ride, your average stagecoach ride. Each of the characters on the stagecoach, at first you think that there's just one who's going to do all the talking. And then gradually. And he goes on and on and on and on. And then gradually each one each, goes on yes, and on. Each just kind of takes over telling their story. And really all of them are, are pretty. Insufferable. Yes, insufferable. <laughs> I mean, there's really, yeah, each of them has their weakness, I guess. Yeah. And what you seem to find is, yeah, you think that first guy will not shut up is the like annoying one and he I mean he is the annoying one but the other two are also so annoying and self-absorbed and maybe even more self-absorbed than him so it's a really interesting character study and let's get into spoilers now because I do want to talk about the connection between the first story and this story basically this story we think and I mean I think everyone else interprets that they're going to hell or at least they're going to a dark place they're definitely in limbo because they're yeah. they're, they're, they're dead they're gonna be it's not quite judgment day so they're they're just 
Because if you notice, the stagecoach drops them off and it leaves. It goes back in a different direction while their bags are still on it, right? They don't really get off with it, except for that body that they were carrying. Yeah. The bounty hunters were. And yeah, so it's kind of uncertain. You know, it's like the Hotel California. They can check out, but they can never leave. You know? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And the first story, Buster Scruggs, he is just, you know, the best gunslinger of all can do whatever, but then he gets shot, which is, it's a crazy scene. And then he's singing like a little angel, which is a connection actually to, what was it? Episode five, I think of our series, the Hudsucker Proxy. Because in that there's also kind of a flying floating angel character. That's like a man angel. It's kind of weird to look at. That's right. And this one, he's got a little harp and that one has a little ukulele. Yes. (laughs) But in, yes. in this one, when Buster Scruggs dies, it appears he's going up. He's in all white. He's going to heaven, which I don't know if he... I'm not sure that would happen. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. But then in this one, it's and the sixth one. It's just bleak and yeah, dark. And he's they're singing going the song, uh, When the Cowboy Gets His Wings. Yes. Right? And, and the guy who shot him is singing along with us. It's like a duet, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. But in a way, I think this kind of, again, throughout the the different stories, you see the... The bad guys, I guess with one exception, the bad guys always win. Mm-hmm. And the the ones, the other people are maybe not that great, but they get taken advantage of or they get pushed around. Well, in this one, maybe none of the people on the stagecoach are likable. True. And all of them you just kind of want to get rid of. So you almost wonder if maybe that's the ultimate Justice. I mean, sort of like the Coen Brothers saying, okay, in the end, there's justice for, for all. Well, the, uh, the very crucial part of dialogue, it was almost very Edgar Allan Poe-like, where they talk about negotiating the passage, quote-unquote, negotiating the passage from, between life and death. And uh, they always like, the bounty hunters like to see them try to make sense of it as their life flashes before their eyes. So... That's a that's a tip off right there that something is supernatural is happening, right? So Definitely. And how about we get to ratings of our final eighteenth Cone Brother film, Ballad of Buster Scruggs? How many nooses? Oh, that's dark. But this is a dark movie. It's underrated for how dark it is. So yeah, let's do nooses. You wanna start, Mom? Um, yes. I think I would probably give it a hmm, maybe a Maybe a four. I mean, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as some of the other movies, but it had more to say, I think, and they took their time with telling the story, so they really did seem to try something new, and I always admire that, and um, and again, just as all in all the movies, I mean, it was all the stories were well-made and well-told, and the acting was good. Yeah, I also agree. I would give it a four. I mean, each story would have a different ranking if I could, but we'd be here all day. I think my two favorites were The Ballad of Buster Scruggs and All Gold Canyon. But yeah, I think a four out of five, that's pretty fair. I give it six out of four nooses. Can I do that? Sure. One noose for each vignette. Oh, well, okay then. Here's the thing. We talk (laughs) a lot about movies, you know, they're rigidly stunning or they have a lot to say. The ones that stick with you, though, I've thought of, each of those parts at certain points and since I've seen it. Even the James Franco one? Especially the James Franco one. <laughs> well, maybe not that one, but the other ones. Okay, okay. I'll give it a five. I'll give it a five. I'll, I'll lower it by one noose because it just reminds you of, you know, it, like Liv mentioned, the first one, the very first episode, if you will, 
with Buster Scruggs. We've seen it like four or five times already. Yeah. And I can, I, I can see watching the others that many times, maybe just watching them one at a time. And we watched this like that too. We didn't watch it all through one sitting. Yeah, we I don't did know of any two. other movie you can do that with and it's still held together. Each story held together and yet it is a movie. It is a movie. It's their longest movie, right? 133 minutes if you think of it in, the, in those terms. And I, I didn't feel uh, bored at all by any of it. Now, is it a little too grim? Okay, I'll lower it. 4.5. There you go. <laughs> That's the rating. 4.5. That's it. 4.5 nieces. That's lovely, it. lovely. We've talked about the Battle of Buster Scruggs probably not for enough time just because it is such a great film, but we don't want to keep y'all all day. This was episode 18 of our Cone Brothers series. It's We made it, guys. I don't know how we did it exactly. It was a very massive undertaking. Not sure exactly why we chose um, directors with such a vast filmography, but we did it. And I think the, we did because we only thought there were 12 movies, not 18. <laughs> that could have been true too, definitely. But I think I appreciate the Coen brothers a lot more now. And I'm really glad that to have seen all these movies. They were all very different and they all had cool similarities too. Yeah. That's the neat thing about them. They really do different genres, whether yeah. it's romantic comedies, screwball comedies, out there comedies like Raising Arizona and, and cult classics like Big Lebowski. I mean, they're just really uh, pretty amazing filmmakers I can tap into. They don't make the same movie twice. But they also can do serious stories like Buster, most of the stories in Buster Scruggs. But um, even they have, uh, even these stories have a little bit of a dark humor to them underneath. I agree. And really throughout, you guys have seen how positive we are about almost all of their films. And that's because really, for a little baseball analogy, I think they never miss when they swing. Sometimes it's a double, sometimes it's a home run, and sometimes it's like a weird inside the park home run with like Lebowski or something like that, or Raising Arizona, where you don't really expect that to work, but it just works so well. So overall, very proud of y'all, Cone Brothers. You're welcome to join Strange Love anytime you would like. We're probably going to have a final episode just to recap all the films, rank them, tell like tiny tidbits of each story in case you want to figure out which one to start with. And on that note, follow us on Instagram at Strange Love of Media. Visit our website, strangelovemovies.com. And it was fun talking about the Cone Brothers with y'all. It's been months in the making, but here we are. 